oceans of time to find are, are you recording Bill and Oh, uh, I I'm having technical technical difficulties. Hold on. Okay. Okay. Now it's recording. There we go. Welcome back to Living Dead Queers. I hope you actually enjoyed our little mini rants on my favorite horror film and Bill's favorite horror film for two separate episodes. (laughs) And now we're back to, I, I guess, more so regular scheduled programming with more randomized horror films, some famous, some not. Actually, this episode, we've got a special guest. She is a close high school friend of mine. She is a columnist for Fangoria Magazine and co-host for the YouTube channel, Couple of Creeps with her husband, Zach. This is Alyssa Icorn. What is up, motherfucker? Good to be here. You're very, very welcome, though. Thank you for joining us, by the way. Five minutes ago, but I feel very close to you. Yeah, me too. See, now that I know, I didn't know you work for Fangoria. Now I love you even more because oh, yeah, I, I go to that all the time well. on Twitter to <laughs> click on all their stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yes. been good. I've been writing um, for them for I can't do math since 2018. And yeah, I do the um, couple of creeps with my husband. We watch the most extreme horror films we can find. I'm talking like fucked up pseudo snuff films kind of thing, but it's fun. <laughs> nice. Basically, our like our goal, our general mission statement was to like find something that topped a Serbian film, and like my yeah, my brain's pretty corroded. <laughs> so, like no one, no one should watch these films. Is what I'm trying to say. Right now, I'm on a really big 1980s Italian horror film kick. Oh God, my least favorite. Jeez. Same. One more strike, you're out. <laughs> Italian horror films, I mean, they're campy and they're stupid, but the gore is just so fucking awesome. I mean, I like Giallo, but I don't fucking like Fulci. Do you like uh, Argento? Well, I mean, a little bit. A little bit. I mean, you know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, he really boosted Giallo. It's like, no. Mario Bava, all the way, all the way. So I, I'm going to go on. So you watching these films, the movie we're going to talk about today is 100% sure, tame compared to what you've been watching the last really few days. I don't enjoy these films. Like, I don't enjoy watching these fucked up, horrible, rapey, like gory things. I don't enjoy it. It's just something that my husband and I feel safe enough to do together. <laughs> we're lame. <laughs> <laughs> and we're in love. <sighs> Oh, and so Clinton, before we get started on today's movie, uh, would you like to say anything about what you felt about the uh, new Texas Chainsaw Massacre? <laughs> I mean, our our episode a couple weeks ago, we talked about how the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is my basically ties for my favorite horror film of all time. And granted, I never really watched most of the sequels until after I watched the new 2022 film, but it's nowhere near the best one of the series, but also not the worst it almost ties oh, for the worst, the worst. The, for I me that a lot of <clears throat> dramatic comments about it and i was just like i finished it i have no qualms about turning the movie off if it sucks <laughs> balls and i watched this whole thing start to finish so i think some people just need to get off the internet and like mow their lawns or something well i think the reason like people are upset is because i would say texas chain had the 
had a good chance of becoming a great film franchise that just never caught on, and people are diehard fans of it. And then they saw what they did with Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis. Then they tried to bring back the uh, the last girl from the original one, and they killed her off right away, basically. And they barely so I mean, that's why I think people are upset about that. Granted, we know she's like almost eighty years old in real life, but why would you kill her off? So I think that was a lot of. That's yeah, right. what I saw a lot of people being upset about. Thing, and then they just like shit the bed on it. Oh God! Yeah, the only one I haven't seen yet, Clinton. I think you haven't seen it either. Is uh, Leatherface? No, no, that the prequel. No, I haven't. But I, I will say, out of all of the sequels, including the new one that came out, uh, excluding the original and the remake, I don't think any of them get the character of Leatherface at all. I think, honestly, unpopular opinion, I think the film to get the Leatherface character the most right, closest to the original, would be Next Generation. That's the third one. Third one, right? And the fourth one, Matthew McConaughey, Renee Zellweger. Oh God, that one gets the character. I've never seen it. That one though gets the character of Leatherface correct compared to the original movie, and like that's Leatherface, but the rest of the film sucked. Aside from Matthew McConaughey playing a really good brother to him. How would you describe Leatherface then? Do you think he's a sympathetic character, or he's, what's he, your take he, on perfect he's, Leatherface? He's supposed to be a little bit of sympathetic, but also you see that he's greatly mentally disturbed in a way that it's like it's not like personality disorders or like schizophrenia or anything like that it's like a he has the mind of a child he has like the mind of a child and also he has the mind of his his mind isn't just really that developed at all like he he's not even ever in charge it's always with like a group in with like the family and he's usually being like handled by a more senior member of the family maybe one of his older brothers etc i just don't think he works as a character by itself it usually has to be a, a group setting you could also consider him uh, non-binary because more often than not he's wearing the faces of women he's putting makeup on these faces hell in the fourth movie he goes full-on drag for the whole climax of the film like he's woman's wig woman's face woman's like breasts uh, woman's dress, etc. And he has the body of a god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I just think they just, they tried to do, you have established characters in all these other horror franchises. His keeps changing every freaking movie. It does. It, it just does. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason. The original one, sadistic, this and that. The second one, you saw a little bit different of him than three and four. And then the, the prequels, the three prequels, whatever. So it's like, you try to see all these different versions of him. It's like, they, and they just can't seem to get it right. So anyway, you want to go ahead, Quentin, do the introduction to our movie <laughs> for the day. Anyways, before we were going to do that, uh, re- that little recap based on our last few episodes, I'd like to introduce you to our newest episode. This week, we are talking 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula from Francis Ford Coppola. If I was going to rate it, I mean, I would say it's out of a, like five stars, like two and a half right down the middle. Uh, the cinematography, amazing. The music, the scores, costume, makeup, everything was great. The direction was great. The only problem that I think that everything was miscast. I think everything was miscast. Gary Oldman did a great job as Dracula, but I mean, outside of that, I think everything else in the movie was miscast. And I think that's what made me feel the boredom of the movie. But I think these two love the movie. So according to Clinton, he's like, we will school you or I'll teach you and other people why this movie's good. So... Oh. <laughs> I will leave it to you two to tell me why my opinions of the movie being miscast is not accurate. 
both agree that Keanu Reeves was miscast. I mean, everyone says that. And he even, was even Keanu himself says he was miscast. Yeah. Like, he's been working with a dialect coach every single day. He could not grasp a British accent. Could not do it. This 28-year-old man, he's the same age as me at the time, could not do it. Could not do it. He's a professional fucking actor. Could not do it. So that speaks volumes. Keanu also credits that his production schedule for, like, a shit ton of movies, like, several movies were filmed, like, back to back to back to back for, like, a few years straight, and then he goes directly into Dracula, and he's like, yeah, I'm looking back, I was just... Too fucking exhausted, too fucking tired. I couldn't put the energy into it as an actual actor. So what you see on screen is me barely staying awake from working like three years straight nonstop. Well, yeah, because right before that he did Bill and Ted's in the 80s. Then part two he did. And then he did um, Point Break. Was that Point Break what he did? with? Uh, yeah, Point Break. And then after that he did Speed right after that. He was hot shit. So would you think his accent was worse than Dick Van Dyke's and Mary Poppins? What's wrong with being Courtney? I don't know. Hello. 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 I like it. Got a bit of graft to it. See, everybody says my ex, my British accent's bad. Then I think Quentin, you were with me with folks that British guy's like, yeah, you sound like a British hillbilly. <laughs> so that's yes, what, that's, that's what, that's whenever, what a hillbilly sounds like. Like, okay. So I do have the good accent then. Whenever Billy gets... A British hillbilly. Okay. Yeah, whenever Billy gets uh, drunk... He brings out his uh, British accent as if he was from, like, raised in the moors and going to the pub every afternoon. This is true. I wish you could see me because I'm fucking cringy right now. All right, so I don't want to interrupt you guys. Uh, So I'm going to sit here and listen only interject when I have a question about what you are actually bringing up. So whichever one of you two want to start and tell me why this is an amazing movie. Are you folding laundry or something, Billy? No, no, I'm just <laughs> sitting here. Okay. Well, I guess right at the start, I'll just go on a quick little, like, short tangent on how, like, actually successful the film was. Um, currently, I'm on... Can real quick. Hmm? All right. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Anyway, over here on um, IMDb, out of 10, we got a 7.4 out of 10. We've got a 57% on Metascore. Then on Rotten Tomatoes, our critics are nice and fresh at 75%. Nice audience score of 79%. And also, it was on a budget of $40 million in the 90s. It went on to gross over $200 million worldwide. Oh, the movie I remember seeing in the theater was packed. And everybody just seemed, I remember it was like, they were so excited to see a new adaption of Dracula and it was, and it was coined as what the original novel should have been like, not what universal did back in the thirties. So everybody, I know everybody was super stoked, no pun intended with Bram Stoker, but all oh, everybody was super stoked to see this movie, but it just fell short for me. I would, I would describe this movie as like a fusion between Bela Lugosi's Dracula and the actual novel, because like you read the novel and then you watch the Bela Lugosi film from the thirties and then watch this one. It's kind of a combination of both. I would say. What did you think of the um, that little three-movie part? Because each episode was an hour and a half. was basically through three movies. The uh, newest BBC Dracula with um, Class Bangs, however the fuck you pronounce his name. Class Bangs? <laughs> what? No. Um, oh, what the fuck's his name? How the fuck you pronounce it? Hold on. <laughs> the one on Netflix? Yeah, the BBC one where it's like three hour and a half episodes. I think I watched that. I watched the whole thing, so I kind of liked it. And like, he had like, like two young girls towards the end. He was going after. 
Oh, yeah, because uh, Mark Gatiss was in it. Yeah, I fucking love Mark Gatiss. In the third part episode of the BBC Dracula, when they bring in um, uh, Jack, like the, the 2020 version of Jack, instead of him being the 1800s, I saw that actor, I'm just like, oh, he's so hot. <laughs> Let me see. I feel that Bela Lugosi is underrated. I think he did a fantastic job, and I thought he was creepy as hell, and I think him being Dracula was super underrated. Who's saying he's underrated? I've never heard anyone say that. Well, not shit, but when you hear like horror icons and talk about stuff, I mean, ever since the movie Ed Wood came out, you just see that part of Bela Lugosi with the younger crowd. They don't see like, wow, not only did he do this, he did Frankenstein. Um, he did all, he played, uh, in the werewolf movie, he played the guy who was the werewolf that made, um, Lon Chaney Jr. become the werewolf. So, I mean, he did a lot of great things and people don't realize he was only Dracula, I think once in the original one. Then he started doing all these other roles because everybody else became Dracula down the line. Oh, he played Dracula twice. He did Abbott and Costello meet Dracula. He was in that. And I think he maybe played it maybe two times or three times. That was it. And like over the years, I've seen like so many people that are like, oh, this is, like, oh, I love this version of Dracula. I love this version of Dracula. Because there's been, like, so many adaptations over the years where it's, like, you get some people that are, like, oh, Bela Lugosi, that's my Dracula. Then you got this other crowd that's, like, oh, Christopher Lee, that's my Dracula. But then you got then you got my side where I'm, like, Gary Oldman, that's my Dracula. And maybe it's generational because you have, you know, like, the old black and white films. You have the 70s and then you have right on the beginning of the 90s and that's kind of like the last pivotal dracula portrayal is 1992 by gary oldman yeah well do you think he did good you think it was the makeup that he had you think it was a combination of both he demanded makeup and costume for certain scenes like the church scene when he's like kissing my own writer and he's like turning her or whatever that whole scene was supposed to be him in a human form and he couldn't do it even in rehearsals he couldn't just do his line because he's like, they're not scared of me. I know they're not scared of me. So Francis Ford Coppola improvised the bat suit for Gary because he would not do the scene unless he was actually intimidating. Really? Interesting. Okay. Yes. Put into he very much needed transformation throughout the film. He said it was very exhausting, but also it got him in the mood for each, I don't know, light shown upon Dracula because there's several different lights shown upon him in that movie. You have a fighter, you have a loyal husband, you have a lover, you have a monster, you have an aristocrat. You have all these different things that he needed that makeup to, you know, turn on the switch. So would would you say um, other casting in the movie, outside of Keanu Reeves, do you think everything else was cast perfectly or do you still think it was miscast? I think... Leonard Ryder was pretty green, but I think she holds her own. I think she was given a very demure role, and she's a demure person, so really have no qualms about that. They changed the character of Lucy from the novel character, because in the uh, novel she's described as very prim and proper, but mm-hmm. in the film she's a, supposed to be the opposite of Mina. So they cast Sadie Frost, who's supposed to be you know, a redhead, automatically exotic in our eyes, and very um, outspoken for the time. So I think she did a great job portraying that. And then the three guys, the three suitors, I mean, they weren't like major characters in the novel at all. So I think Coppola had pretty much like free will to cast whoever and have them act as whoever. I mean, Dr. Stewart, most of his journalings makes up the basis of the novel. So, and I think the novel is kind of fucking boring. Hmm, so to okay. get these three minor characters, these distinct 
three distinct different personalities. I think that was smart. All right, I'll go. What would you think about Anthony Hopkins as Van Helsing? Oh my God, I don't, I don't know. He's so weird. <laughs> he was very, very eccentric, but like Francis Ford Coppola ate that up. He loved the fact that he yelled randomly. He like danced randomly and shouted and just said weird off-collar shit. Like he wanted Van Helsing to be this character. He wanted him to be oh, like, oh yeah, that guy definitely knows about mysticism. Like look how fucking weird he is. One funny thing is actually uh, Van, uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins, he wasn't the first person like really up in line for the role. It was actually going to be Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. And then like um, after like they saw um, Sir Anthony Hopkins' performance on Silence of the Lambs and won his Oscar, they're like, oh shit, we got to get this guy. Yeah, they're like, we need to get that fucking bad dude. Bad dude knows how to act. And he went in there and he just had fun with it. All right. So, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I just, uh, I, I had no, I, I was not, he was the only character I was pretty much indifferent on that. Well, him and Gary Oldman, actually. The rest, I was like, eh. But these two, I think, uh, which is probably the reason why I liked the movie as much as I did is probably because of Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman. Outside of that, I thought everybody else was just kind of boring. Fair. I mean, Gary Oldman does command attention he has the biggest ego other than the director in that movie i mean anthony hopkins is was you know pretty salt and peppered by that point and i was just like i'm just here to do a movie do my job learn my lines and go home yeah and these two are when these when these two were on screen that's when the movie was good when they really weren't on so much it was kind of boring yeah i get that one thing so, some people might actually like if, if it's their very first time watching it, one thing they might not catch on is not only... Don't say in, it. Don't say it. I know what the fuck you're going to say. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, I, well, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see if it is. Because I'm, like, I'm like, how could you not notice that? <laughs> <laughs> Some people I, I, I've seen, I showed them maybe two, and I explained it to them. They're like, what? What are you talking about? But anyway, like one major departure from the novel is they have the idea that um, one of the writer's character of Mina is the reincarnation of Dracula's first wife when he used to be immortal. Um, the priest who is at his cathedral at his castle after he defeated the um, Muslim invaders that were cr- crossing over from Constantinople um, had his wife died and all that shit like that. The, oh, the, the priest in his chapel was also played by Anthony Hopkins to add maybe this little thing between the two characters of like, oh, maybe Van Helsing is also the reincarnation of that priest that told um, Vlad the Impaler that his wife would not go to heaven because she committed suicide and that led to... Vlad the Impaler going down his journey to be Dracula. There you go. You didn't know that? You're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on, like, listen to him. Look at his eyes. That's Anthony Hopkins in a wig. I've had to explain it to so many people. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that's Anthony Hopkins. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, that, that really grinds my gears. <laughs> that really yeah, I love the little uh, information when you, when you jot stuff down like that. It makes you think about it. So, I mean, honestly, it's not that I told you we were talking before we got on recording that I didn't hate the movie. I didn't like the movie. It was like somewhere in between. If it wasn't for Oldman and um, Hopkins, I don't think the movie, I think the movie would have been awful, in my opinion. I mean, you guys certainly have your different opinions. You you guys like it. So, everything else, all those other people in the movie, you're making that the 50% of the movie you don't like? I just thought it was, I mean, I just thought it was incredibly, incredibly boring when the two main (laughs) characters were not on there. I mean, there was... I, I mean, I know I, I love Carrie always. Again, I don't think he was right for the movie. I don't think most of the. I mean, it just they didn't. They didn't. Maybe because Oldman and um, so good. 
that the, they, they just they were just over overwhelming over the other actors maybe i don't know i think maybe the one thing you could describe it as is for you personally the film did not make you care for anyone else aside from dracula and helsing correct yeah exactly it's like when you watch a horror film well, it's like when you watch a horror film oh good oh, what were you saying look at their costumes yeah right really it's just a face for the eyes like uh, for me, it's like I'm invested in Lucy's um, courtship. Like, who's Lucy going to pick? I'm invested in the relationship between Mina and Jonathan. I'm invested between the relationship between Dracula and Mina and all this. And, and you know, invested in Dr. Seward's, Stewart's, um, Seward, Seward or Seward? Either one. <laughs> I think it's Stewart. The doctor's infatuation with Lucy. Um, like, all of it, all of this conduits into this, like, little... This little cyclone of love and death and badass costumes and scary music and weird random like 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 the the carriage driver, uh, just random costume shots and like the the brides especially their weird animalistic movements and it's all just very psychotropic. One thing I do love about this film that I think it also pairs very well with is uh, Werner Herzog's 1979 remake of Nosferatu, where both of these... Nosferatu. Well, <laughs> I, I love both these films because both of them, if you watch them in like, the correct mood, and the way that the both films are um, shot, the way the actors are blocked throughout their scenes, the way it's presented, it, both films almost feel like you're watching some old Shakespearean like stage play. And that's one thing I love about them. And I love how a lot of the uh, shadow play was actually directly inspired by the original Nosferatu from the 1920s. Yeah, because like Francis was like, why don't I use hella lighting in this to create the mood I want? Like, I want German expressionism. The studio's like, no, mm-hmm. let's, I, want to, I want sets built. That's one thing I really loved about um, Werner Horzog's remake of Nosferatu is like a lot of the uh, sets and a lot of like the camera shots were direct recreations of the original movie. Really? And it was like so fuck. Oh my god! If if someone was like to compare those two movies, every single time I would choose um, Werner Horzog's remake. So that was boring to me. Shadow of the Vampire, but like that one is just kind of boring. Well, yeah, like Shadow of the Vampire is like a very cool like urban legend style movie like oh it, it, what if this actually happened but i i don't know like i i, I think out of all of the vampire movies in existence that i've seen granted i haven't fucking seen all of them i think my favorite vampire movie of all time would have to be Werner horzog's nosferatu what really <laughs> what really oh oh that's a shame um oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm gonna eat my tortilla chips in silence now <laughs> Yeah, um, Francis Ford Coppola told me, uh, <laughs> I, I, I watched in the behind the scenes that they actually had a week of rehearsals for the film in California, like a full week of like rehearsals. I think it was Gary Oldman who said that it was like a play, like a play production, and he's never really had that for a film. So I thought that was interesting. And that also plays off with the, um, aside from whenever you um, enter Dracula's like territory, that random, um, I guess you could say, witch-related uh, blue rings of fire that 
Oh, yeah. Enter like his castle and stuff like that. Aside from that, all the other, you could say, visual effects and everything and the camera work and everything in the film was done like you would say, quote, in camera as in Francis. He's like, yo, the way I want to actually make this film and shoot it, I want to make it and shoot it as if it were either how it would have been made in the 30s or if they were able to make this in the 1890s when this actually takes place. Mm hmm. Like everything you it has see, that wonderful is... like '90s grain to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? That old like, film style. blues and red. Mm-hmm. And when um like the the over exaggerated costumes that works very very well with it being like almost like a uh, like a stage play and whatnot. And originally, um, like Francis wanted to use like very very minimum sets if possible, maybe even just like open stages, and he would tell the story via like the direction of the light and shadows. Mm-hmm. And shit like that. And the studio was like, we can't make a film in the 90s like that. Like, you got to build actual sets. So he's like, okay, I'll just I'll put all the budget, like half the budget in the costumes, half the budget in the set. There you go. <laughs> yeah, he put the most money into the costumes. And he let the costume designer just do whatever she wanted. And he made the actors work around the costumes and not vice versa. Like that, um, that one dress, that gown that Dracula has a couple different scenes where it's like all that gold and purples and jewels and all that. It's like basically like based like off the of last like, mm-hmm. that was in multiple scenes. It was like whenever it was he based was, off of the kiss. it's like this old, um, Kabuki painting from Japan and shit like that. It was in whenever he was, um, sleeping in the soil, um, crate. So he was wearing that gown. So I know they were nominated. Did they win any awards? I know they were nominated for like four, right? She the, won the Oscar that year, 1993 Oscars for costume design. Okay, what about makeup or cinematography? Did they win or are they just nominated? I know they were nominated for like four. At the Academy Awards, uh, they were nominated yeah. in total for um, art direction, set design, uh, makeup, special effects editing, and costume design. And then they won for costume design, um, special effects editing, and best makeup. Okay. And the thing like I love about the costume designer is um uh I'm gonna fucking butcher her name probably. I got it, I got it, I got it. Oh, oh, go it's Eiko Ishioka. Okay, there you go. She was brought in from uh Japan. So if you look at some of the costumes and some of the hair, especially for Dracula, a lot of it is very Japanese and geisha inspired and I love it. Yeah, she literally was like she like saw the so the similarities between her and the story she's like like east meets west and so she like really just smashed these two things together and made something wholly unique in the history of cinema like lucy's wedding dress was inspired by a lizard um the carriage driver's costume was inspired by an armadillo the little wired hand gloves that tom waits wears and the asylum is like inspired by like an insect's legs and, like, it's just incredible the thought and detail that goes into these things. Gary Oldman's um, armor, the red armor at the beginning, was plastic and constantly fell off of him. But Francis loved it, and he's like, deal with it. I don't care. Wear it. <laughs> <laughs> she was initially hired to be the uh, art director, but then when Francis was, like, basically courting her to be the art director and looking at um, some of her previous work, he saw some of her costume work and her designs, and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I want you to be the costume designer and just fucking go off. Do whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm putting all my chips on you. Like, fuck the sets. Like, we're doing the costumes. She also did the costumes for The Cell, the Jennifer Lopez film. Oh, I never saw it. Which is oh, really, it's really pretty. It's, you can, you'd probably be able to, like, point it out if you watched it, Glenn. <laughs> 
Did you guys also love uh, Love Song for a Vampire? You guys both said you love that song, right? Fuck <laughs> <Not> you. <laughs> you like that song? Oh my god, it makes me fucking blow my brains out. No, I was just listening to that song on repeat to prepare for this. <laughs> it was so 90s, put it that way. Seeing Barbra Streisand, like, it's just so high-pitched <laughs> and whiny, and it never ends, and you're just like, dear god. The entire <laughs> score is masterful, and then you, the credits roll, and then you're like, what? And I love Annie Lennox. I don't know why they chose that song. I don't know why she's saying that way. Like, you could have ended the movie with Walking on Broken Glass, and I would have been like, yes, that's an Annie Lennox bop. I approve. <laughs> <laughs> but why do you guys like that song? Riddle me that. <laughs> I just like Annie. I just like Annie Lennox, and I and it's got such a '90s vibe to it. It's like her, like I don't know. I just like it. I think the very first time I saw this movie, I was like like fucking 10 years old or some shit like that. So like when I was, <laughs> I didn't know who the fuck she was at that point in my life, but I was like when I was first watching it and like that voice comes on in the credits and I'm like, I'm listening to it and I'm like, it's a pretty voice, but I can't tell what the fuck she's saying. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I still love yeah. like, I, I love the notes and the instruments that are used in the song. Like I love the notes that her voice is able to reach. I don't really listen to the lyrics at all. I just listen to like, yeah, just like the instruments used and the vocal cords that she's hitting. I'm like, okay, those are what I like. I'm not paying attention to anything else. Oh, yeah. I get that. I mean, it's, it's a very sad song. Like, I feel sad when I hear it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna repeat any Linux any Linux's song for like in the next hour after this, so No. <laughs> also, I'm I think Emotional yeah. wise, I'm more of an emo kid than you were, so maybe that's why I love the sad song. Oh, really? You think you were more that's emo awesome. than me? <laughs> that's probably true. I mean, Zach's pretty emo, so he has me beat. You might have had me beat. I mean, you were the one that addressed the email. I was like almost emo as a kid, but like emotionally I was. I just didn't I'm, display yeah, it. Emotionally, you were, you were just fucking gone. <laughs> 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 I'm in the same plane range. <laughs> <laughs> if you're fucking listening to us like right now at this exact moment like if you were with us in high school if you were like three classes down you just hear echo <laughs> just fucking screaming the walls would reverberate with cat <laughs> i'm watching the music video for love song for a vampire and i'm, lo I'm loving her look just not the sound I agreed on a lot of stuff with this movie. I just didn't like the casting, which made it boring. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I'm just fucking waiting. You're fine. I know. There's only one movie out there that I probably like at 100%. Not even 100%. I like it 98%. It's my favorite movie of all time. Well, second favorite movie of all time is The Thing. And I like 98% of it. There's a couple of things I don't like about it, but... See, my favorite film is yeah. American Beauty. Everyone's like, oh, Kevin Spacey. I'm like, no. I like it for Sam Mendez's script. That's what uh, I'm looking um, for. Oh, I, lo I love American Beauty, one of the movies where it's like another one I like 98% of it. Everything was amazing about it. Yeah. So what? what's your fucking problem with that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, well, with this one, it's... Yeah, this one is like 50-50. I'll put it that way. 50-50? <laughs> My goodness. And 50% of that Keanu Reeves? Uh, that is part. I love Keanu Reeves actually, but I think he was way over. He was not cast good. And Terry Always, I love him also. He was not very well cast in this as well. The casting I thought was pretty bad. 
That's Yo, what Kirk Elway's fucks, okay? Don't, don't be discrediting him in this movie. I, I, quote, I quote him more than anybody from this movie. <laughs> Barry Elway is amazing. I love him when he does his little character, Pierre, whatever, on Psych. So, I mean, I love everything he's in, mostly. Yeah, he's great. But just this, he was not, this whole movie was miscast. Winona Ryder, all those miscast. I think you just have internalized problems that you're projecting on. <laughs> 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 movie, I think twice my once I was stoned out of my mind, and I was like, "What the fuck am I watching?" The second time I was sober and like, "Okay, so I do have the same feelings when I was high." Right. So I do want to describe it as more of a, an experience rather than a film, and I kind of I, I do kind that. of get on board with that because. The director really wanted the costumes to be, like, the focal point and, like, the actual, like, set. He wanted everything to revolve around the costumes, and I think he succeeded at the, you know, maybe the downfall of everything else that makes a truly successful film. And I love Francis Ford Coppola, except outside of him, you know, defending a child molester. But outside of that, I love Francis Ford Coppola's movies. Which one? There's so many. I like everyone. I mean, first of all, God, I even like Godfather 3 for fuck's sake. There's <laughs> the guy who fucking doesn't like Dracula, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you this. You know what's funny? Out of all the monsters from the um, from the old Universal, my least favorite is the mummy shit. I can't stand any of that. Invisible yeah. Man, the Invisible Man was kind of lame and dumb back then. And then Dracula fell beneath... Frankenstein and the Werewolf were my two favorites. And then Creature of the Black Lagoon was my third favorite, and then came Dracula. So Dracula has not always been like a big thing vampires for me. I get that. I was always a vampire kid. You know, I like the romanticized notion of the vampire and I mean, the seductive nature of it and the whole like, is it better to live forever or should it be where you die so you have to fucking suffer alone kind of question. Well, I mean, the comedy vampire movies, I think, are funny. And then also the, or the spoof ones, like Love at First Bite. And then... Oh, Dracula Dead and Loving It with Leslie Nielsen? Yes. Hello. That was, yeah. I mean, it was, it was stupid, but it was a great Mel Brooks movie. So, I mean... I mean, Francis wanted to do something really weird and just call the movie D. D. It was, it's like that fucking letter in one of the scenes. It was like, with regards, D. Your friend. Your friend. D. <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta crack open like another six pack of beers and just watch fucking Dracula movies all day long. <laughs> my beer. I never drink wine, wine, but I drink beer. I never, I never drink. <laughs> when I drink the blood, <laughs> we all just did our uh, the count from Sesame Street. We all just did his little laugh. So there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a good one for there. Oh my yeah, god, it's a good. But then also, I mean, I like, believe it or not, I stayed away from them the first three years they came out, but um, just because they're so stupid and unrealistic and just dumb as fuck, I like the Twilight movies. Yeah. Even though they're not vampires, it's just, I only liked it because, what's his name? The new Batman. Batman. Who's Shovelface? Batman, what's his name? Uh, Shovelface, he got hit in the face with <laughs> <laughs> Robert Pattinson. Uh, he's cute as fuck. What the hell was his name? Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson, yeah. Yeah, I was always... He's really good. Jasper and was the best. I, I, I really watched the movies for Jasper. Jasper. Oh my god, I like Jasper too. Ah. I love how I love how Jasper has turned into a meme. 
Give me that weird, like, I have to poop face all the time. <laughs> and then we like, you team Edward or Jake? Like, nope, I'm team Jasper. Like, why? I'm like, yeah. Not- <laughs> me too. Okay, I like you now. Yeah, I was team Jasper. <laughs> well, also, your like, love for vampires comes off of you you wearing makeup and dressing like a fucking vampire, so. Who, me? Yeah. <laughs> no, never. No, you, well, only a couple times. <laughs> only a few thousand times in my entire life. I'm not an emo kid, no. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, but I was just um, watching the behind-the-scenes making of shit for Dracula, or you called, and... Gary Oldman was such a fucking diva on that set that it was incredible that it even got made. Mm-hmm. Isn't he a, a diva on everything, by the way? I don't know like, much about him other than like he's a great like character actor, but I was just blown away. I was a big diva on the set of uh, Planet of the Apes also. Was he in that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was in. <laughs> the second one, don't the Planet of the Apes, he was in the second one. Billy, you have to understand that I don't watch a lot of movies other than horror movies. So. <laughs> That's my top one is horror. Uh, Coppola and Winona Ryder, like, Winona, like, she was the one that actually brought the script to Francis because, like, um, she'd met back up with him a few years after she dropped out of whatever role she was supposed to have in Godfather Part 3, and she was catching up with him. She's like, oh, hey, like, how you been? Yada, yada, yada. Oh, like, this script, like, went across my desk. They're thinking about filming it as, like, a TV movie or TV miniseries. Like, why don't you want to read the script? He's like, okay, I'll check it out. And then that's how he got landed as the director really? of this film. Yeah. That's cool. And, it like... It's like, a, like, a passion project for him. Like, mm-hmm. thought he put into it. It's like it, it came after, like after he read the script. He's like, "Oh shit, I got to do this. I got to, I got to like really put everything into this." And like the casting, Absolutely. you can blame Bill. You can blame <laughs> the casting on both Francis and Winona because both of them basically worked together to cast this movie. Interesting. Okay. Well, she was friends with Keanu, so that makes sense right there. And then people like on set were like, they they spread a rumor for years that like even though on camera. They felt that Winona and Gary had good chemistry as Dracula and Mina. That when it when they weren't shooting, like granted in rehearsals, they were very very close. But then in between shooting takes on set, they weren't close at all. They didn't really interact. with people spread these rumors like, oh, are they like not getting along? Not at all. And like they both cleared it up like years later. Like no, like it was just we we just felt it was better for the character performances to save it for the camera. I think memory serves me correctly that he was in the middle of a divorce. Mm-hmm. So that was probably like weird or just stressful. And also, like with like the love and like people's love lives, et cetera, extending like past the film set. When Gary was like reading the script before he was casted, he said that there was one specific line that sold him to accept the part in the script, and I was, I think it was one of the scenes where he and Mina are like just like discussing and he's like trying to plant the seeds in her head that she's probably the reincarnation of his wife, but probably isn't, et cetera. But it was the line that mm-hmm. Dracula says, quote, I've crossed oceans of time, oceans to, find of you. time to find you. Mm-hmm. Oh. Gary said that was the line that sold him to accept the part. Hell yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and my hopeless romantic ass is like, Oh my God, I'm crying. Same. I'm just like, I want to love like that, but it's like the equivalent of saying, I want to love like Joker and Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. completely toxic and <laughs> gaslighted and oh my God, <laughs> not correct <laughs> in any aspect. Who did the screenplay for the movie? Um, Jack, Jake, 
Uh, James John. V. Hart. That's his name. So do you give him credit then for the, what you're talking about? Would you give him the, the right? I mean, would you say he's the one responsible for the stuff that you liked about the writing? He was definitely a big part of it. Okay. Yeah, he definitely um, made it commercial. He made it watchable because he made it a, a romance movie, ultimately. He made it this, um, he made Dracula a really tragic hero in the film. You know, in the beginning, he's the protector, he's a prince, he's this sworn like ally of God, and then he denounces him when he's told that a love of his life is damned after her suicide. So he says, fuck God, I'm just going to be a vampire. And then you have like this whole commentary on like, Oh, that's what people do when things don't go right in their lives. They turn their back on their faith. Hmm. And then you just have this whole, like, made-up relationship between him and Mina, like, his lost love. And that is just inherently romantic. You know, I've crossed oceans of time to find you. That that whole ideal is just fodder for people who want true love. So it's very, very successful in terms of, like, the theme. And then you just pair it with, you know, this great chemistry, and boom, you got a sexy vampire love story. <laughs> See what's interesting? His next uh, screenplay he did was for Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. So he went from Dracula to Frankenstein. So that's interesting. And that was kind of offbeat. Robert De Niro. Oh, my God. That movie's so fucking bad. <laughs> I never saw it. <laughs> no one can adapt Frankenstein correctly. I don't know what it is. Like, no one has made, like, a faithful adaptation that's, like, bearable. When Universal came out with Frankenstein in the 30s, they had this such iconic look of, even though it was a dumb look, looked nothing like Mary Shelley in the book, but it became so iconic and everybody tries to reinvent it. And people just, I think they want to see the look of the Frankenstein from the Frankenstein monster from the 30s. Even though, again, that's the Mary Shelley Frankenstein movie, that's what it more looked like in real life anyway, or in her book. So I think it's kind of funny. Maybe that's the reason why. I don't. I just think the performances are unbearable. They're hammy, and it's like, yeah, Jack Pierce designed the iconic square head Frankenstein, right. but that movie's also a lot more watchable. Like it's not terribly freaking acted. I don't. I don't get how that Frankenstein adaptation is so bad. You have Helena Bonham Carter in it. You've got Kenneth Branagh, like a classically trained actor, director, writer, brilliant. And you have this, this weird, really weird choice of Robert De Niro yes. as this Italian-American fucking actor. <laughs> I mean, this tragic, sympathetic character in this predominantly British film. And I just don't know what happened. I don't. That's a whole other episode right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, honestly, I've never, ever seen any kind of production with the Frankenstein monster character in it, aside from the fucking Hugh Jackman Van Helsing movie from the 2000s. <laughs> yes, I love that movie. I will defend that movie to the my dying day. The, the character, the creature creation, so dope. I love Young Frankenstein, by the way. There you go. That's a great adaption. It was Young Frankenstein. Oh, my God. Yes. yes. Mel Brooks. Yeah. Mel Brooks is the best, is the, one of the best, probably the best creator of parodies. Like, Spaceballs is my favorite Star Wars movie. Me too. What do you think of his parody of Dracula, by the way, since we're talking? Because there's almost a direct parody of uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's, it's brilliant. 
But I loved that. I loved Dracula because of that movie. I loved scary movie. I loved Scream because of scary movie. I watched the parodies first. Okay. And then watched the films they're based off of because so I. You, saw, you, you watched Dracula: Dead and Rising first before you saw Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes. Interesting. Okay. What you, Clinton? Did you ever see that movie? Uh, same here. I saw a scary movie before I saw Scream, and I saw Dracula: yeah. Dead and Loving It before Bram Stoker's Dracula. Now, what did you guys think of Dracula: Dead and Loving It? Did you actually like it? It's brilliant. I quote it like daily. I thought oh it was a great God, parody. Yes. I mean, yeah, I thought uh, Leslie Nielsen did a great parody of Gary Oldman in that. I thought. <laughs> well, I, I think what Mel Brooks was doing was um like when they had Francis's film just came out, and they're like, oh, like I want to do a parody, but like how Young Frankenstein is more so a parody on the '30s. Frankenstein right. characters. Mel Brooks is more like, oh, let's parody Bela Lugosi's Dracula. But then they had some elements that did reference Francis's film, like with the whole like boob-shaped wig. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The one moment I have on repeat in my fucking head since I first watched it when I was six years old is when I don't remember who it was, but one of the characters gets a paper cut, paper cut, and then he. No, no, no. The the part that gets in my head is um, like the character gets a paper cut, and then. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen as Dracula, he just leans in and he just goes. <laughs> yes, yes. He licks his chops over Jonathan. <laughs> that's been on repeat in my head since I was like fucking five years old. So that's been in my head for like over 20 years. Yes, we're from the same cloth because I watched that movie way too much as a kid. So, um, come on, Clinton, you still have not, um, give me the key thing why I should watch Bram Stoker's Dracula again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this is like, um, uh, um. An intervention, it's a convention. Yes, yes. Oh my a, god. I mean, uh, I don't know if you want to fucking appreciate art and maybe um, go into it next time and focus on the story. You know, just ignore the cast, okay. and the delivery, and just focus on the relationships because it's a revolving, I don't know, like trio, quadruple, I can't do math, revolving <laughs> units of relationships. And they're all interconnected somehow. You know, the same person's in love with the other person. This person is, you know, developing into, like, an affair, but, like, loves her husband. This one has lots of suitors and could have any of them, but wants this one for this reason. And then, like, there's the brides, and you think about them. And then, and besides, like, I know you're gay, but, like, there's not, there's not a lot of sex <laughs> I would say walk into it as if you're going to go to like a Broadway play. Okay. I mean, like, because that's like kind of um, the feeling you need when you watch this film, and that's kind of the way it's presented. It's presented like a stage play, so it's like not necessarily supposed to be a movie. It's supposed to be an event. Yeah. Do you think that acting is like too hammy? I think. It, I mean, yes. I think it's. I think this outside of the two. I mean, I mean, even Gary Oldman was a little over the top, and so was. Um, why do I always keep forgetting his name? Anthony Hopkins. Thank you. Uh, though, I mean, even though they were over the top, they are still good when they act over the top. They just are. But the other ones, yeah. when they act over the top, it just seems like bad acting. If that makes any sense. But everyone's energy is matched. If everyone's over the top, then that's the tone of the film. If one person was being over the top and everyone else is being normal, then yeah, it would be annoying. But no, everyone think... else is just like really like like that theatrical, like the Broadway play. Oh, no, I 100% agree with you. I'm just saying that I think the fact that you have two iconic 
well, I don't know if Gary Oldman at the time was iconic. He was on his way to become an iconic because he was one hell of an actor, as is Anthony Hopkins. And I think those guys and girls in the movie just trying to compete with them. I mean, actually, Winona Ryder wasn't awful. I will say that. She was she was, she was was better cast than the male characters. I'll put it that way. I just think much of the male characters outside of the two, I don't think they were the, they were the ones that, were, that I had issues with. Winona Ryder, not so much. I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> yeah, I was just, I think the male carrier were not, I don't, yeah, and I just, I mean, I guess I'll go back into it. Um, I will go with an openly clear mind. If I can find it streaming somewhere, I'll go with an openly clear mind to watch it and see what it is, to reassess okay. it. And then our next podcast, Clinton, I will, uh, if I watch it by that time, then I will say, hey, I watched it again and it really still sucks. And I'll, oh, no, it's great. <laughs> So I, well, how long is the movie? It's like it's like two hours and like two hours and fifteen minutes or something. It's about two hours. I have seen this film close to two hundred times. Okay. I feel the same. Say can make me feel bad or care about your opinion because I don't because <laughs> it's a fucking awesome movie. <laughs> <laughs> Other movies you can just talk shit about. I don't care, but Dracula will always be like, no, I don't care what you say. Nothing can penetrate this armor. I got the same one with uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, and the thing. Those are my movies. Like you can, you can say whatever you want about any other movie. But just leave those two alone. Yeah, I get that. The thing is probably Carver's like best film. And and I get that. How, that's how you guys feel about Bram Stoker's Dracula. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> poo it. I'm not gonna poo poo it at all. I'm just. I just pull your pants up and stop shitting on our fucking favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, I, will, I will go into it with an open mind and watch it again and. I will, uh, I will do my reassessment of it. I'm sure it's been, what, 20 or no, 30 years since it's come out. I'm sure I'll have a different opinion on it. Because the thing is, was Francis Ford Coppola's movies, like I said, I like all of The only one, I mean, I, like I said, I even like Godfather 3 for fuck's sake. Not many people can say that. Honestly, though, the only ever Francis Ford Coppola film I've ever seen in my life is this one. Get out of here. <laughs> you seen Apocalypse Now? Nope. How do you not see that, the whole scene with Martin Sheen? <laughs> we are children, Billy. You leave us alone. <laughs> I can't believe you've never seen Apocalypse Now. Nope. I think the making of is more interesting in the film. Just where it talks about uh, Martin Sheen's breakdown from his cocaine heart attack and his breakdown on the set, and they actually kept it in the movie. <laughs> see? Right there. Instantly more interesting. Yes. He literally had a cocaine heart attack. Speaking of like Francis Ford Coppola and shit happening on set that turns out to be a little too fucking real, that also happened with Dracula, Billy. I don't know if you knew about this, but like how like for example one real life thing happened on set with like um, the heart attack and so shit like that on Apocalypse Now. In this film, Dracula, um, the scene that they have where it's the wedding between Mina and Jonathan, Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves, uh, they had to reshoot. Uh huh. They had to reshoot the scene at this Romanian Orthodox um, church like, that was out here in Los Angeles. And they had like an actual like it was 100 percent. Everything was real. It's like the real like Romanian minister, all the nuns and all this shit like that. And so to make it look like it was supposed to be in Romania because that's where the characters were supposed to be. And they filmed like an entire like wedding sequence sequence from start to finish finish with a real minister. So in all technicalities, not legal, like legal documents, but in like religious sense. Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves are actually married and they acknowledge it still to this day and they still joke about it with one another like 30 years later saying how they're each other's husband and wife. That is awesome. Hi, husband. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how did those two become friends that she wanted him cast for this? How did they know each other before? She recently um, broke up with Johnny Depp, I believe, around that time and Keanu was, you know, really hot at that time, like Bill and Ted and stuff and 
they've just always been friends, you know. And after her like her relationship ended with Johnny Depp, that real short relationship, the first per- one of the first people Francis looked at to play Jonathan was going to be Johnny Depp. Ah. Yeah, I think he would have been an excellent choice. The studio but said no. It, it was the studio that told him no because the studio was like, no, we need someone who's more of like a hot like Hollywood star who's hot right now. Like who like so I was like, okay, who's a hot act, who, up and coming maybe action star? Oh, Keanu Reeves. Johnny Depp could have slayed that accent like he did in From Hell. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, Johnny Depp was just coming off of uh, Edward Scissorhands, wasn't he? Before the, like that was ninety one and this was ninety two, correct? Yeah, it was. Yeah, Edward Scissorhands, and I think Ed Wood was like. All right, kids. Thank you for. Uh, but it was very nice meeting you. Um, I hope you join us on another one. We speak uh, more obscure, very obscure, wacky uh, horror films. <laughs> yeah, if you'll have me, I'd be glad to be back. <laughs> no, I, I think you and I, Lister, are the only two drinking right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I drank too much uh, last night. Um, yeah, so I did not drink today. And Clinton, what's that one about the pyromaniac, paraplegic one? What is that called? Quit calling it pyromaniac, paraplegic <laughs> shit, because that's not even it. As soon as you said that, I was like... <laughs> <laughs> oh my fucking god ever since i showed it okay hold on let, let me build up for a dramatic effect to what this fucking movie is oh my god because i show him one of my up-and-coming favorite directors who i'd say is very similar to um stanley kubrick is Yorgos Lathamos, and I was showing him this trailer for this movie and he goes is this about some pyromaniac paraplegic i'm like what the fuck it's the killing of a sacred deer. <laughs> and you pick up that one shot of the girl who's paralyzed from the fucking narcotics with the lighter. And you're like, oh, it's paraplegic, like fire. Like, I'm like, what? I like the end. Yeah. That was filmed in Cincinnati. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was only filmed like an hour from you. I just know it gets Clinton going when I say that. I said, would you shut up? It's not about a. It's one scene with someone with a lighter. Stop it. <laughs> but yes, when Zach comes out here by himself, we'll go out and get some drinks in the wee home and go see Tarantino shit. <laughs> you can't seduce my husband. I'm just letting you know right now. He's a very faithful man. <laughs> mm, we'll see about that. He's very much my type when it comes to white guys. Dude, shut the fuck up with that. Like, I have a white category. I have a Latino category. I have an Asian category. I do. Clinton does it. That, that Clinton very much does. All right, well, uh, you guys, get, I got to get going, but thank you very much. This has been amazing, and I loved having you on. And don't forget, Clinton, soon we're going to have uh, Deborah Voorhees joining us. Ooh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yes, we got a number of different guests coming up. Hopefully, if this podcast keeps going, we'll see. You guys can find Alyssa online by searching up Haunted by Deadlines on both Instagram and Twitter, as well as going over to YouTube and searching up a couple of creeps. You guys take care. Have a fantastic, fantastic day. You too, Billy. It's very nice talking with you. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.